Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're thankful that you could be here with us today, uh, joining online virtually uh, for this uh, short message uh, that'll be similar to uh, what the folks here uh, outside in our green space uh, will be hearing uh, this morning. And it's this word from Jesus today in the Beatitudes, uh, his word that says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. As a congregation, we have been uh, walking through the Beatitudes over the last few weeks and hearing these blessed statements, uh, statements of what Jesus says it looks like to be uh, a hashtag blessed. In week one, we heard about what it looked like to be blessed uh, materially. Does that mean to have a big house, lots of possessions, big estate, nice bank account? Well, Jesus said, blessed are the poor. Last week, we asked the question, what does it look like to be blessed uh, circumstantially, right? And we think about the world, what would they say it means to be blessed? Well, probably to, to have kind of a constant high in your life, to, to have things just be going from one good thing to the next to the next, right? Doesn't that sound like blessing? And we hear Jesus say, blessed are those who mourn. And today, here comes Jesus saying, blessed are the meek. Uh, we might consider this uh, uh, what it means to be blessed personally or as, as a person, um, maybe your personality. Blessed are the meek. That might strike us as odd, right? I think when the world looks at who would be blessed in their personality, they wouldn't think of someone who is meek, someone who is lowly, uh, someone who is, you know, even, let's say, bashful or, or humble. No, when the world looks at people who they would imagine as blessed, personality-wise, they're thinking about the top dog, right? I mean, who is it who are our uh, American idols, right? These are the people on stage. Maybe you've seen the show American Idol, right? These singers, very talented, uh, very gifted. Uh, they are people who kind of command an audience. They're praised. They're exalted. They're high up. That's what we would think it means to be blessed, right? And here Jesus comes and says, blessed, blessed are the meek. If at this point your ears are, are kind of saying, Jesus, you say some weird things. Uh, Jesus, even for me, you sound a little hard to hear, a little strange to hear. That's actually kind of on track with how the first hearers of Jesus would have heard him. Uh, people who weren't accustomed to, to hearing the name Jesus and kind of assuming that whatever follows is going to be uh, trustworthy or true, right? Uh, these first hearers who come to hear Jesus, actually we read this in chapter 7. At the end of his sermon it says, when, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. And crowds are still astonished. People are still astonished. I recently read an article from a, a woman named Virginia Owens. She's a professor down at Texas A&M, teaches literature. And for one of her uh, literature courses, uh, she actually had the Sermon on the Mount be included as required reading. And she asked for feedback from her students, and the, the responses were interesting. Uh, because these were students who, even though they've grown up in, in this Western world, you know, in a, in a, a world that is largely shaped by Christianity, 
uh, we're now at a point in history where uh, people are very unfamiliar with the words of Jesus. People may be familiar with the idea of Christianity, but they're not maybe familiar with who Jesus is, with the kinds of things he said. And so these students read the Sermon on the Mount, and, <laughs> and some of the feedback was, I didn't like it. I didn't like what Jesus had to say in the Sermon on the Mount. It was a bad sermon. It made, it made you feel like you had to be perfect, and no one is. Right? That was one feedback. Another feedback was, <laughs> these were some of the, the most unhuman, stupid statements anyone could possibly make. The student was just struck at how foolish the words of Jesus sounded. And so, too, we come to Jesus and we hear him say, Blessed are the meek, and we say, Really? Well, let's, let's pause and, <laughs> and take Jesus seriously for a moment. Let's, let's pretend we can trust Jesus. What is Jesus saying uh, uh, when he says, Blessed are the meek? Well, first, it's probably helpful to understand what it means to be meek. What it means to be meek. I've mentioned a few different words that you might um, think of as synonyms of meek. You know, humble, uh, lowly, uh, uh, gentle would even be one. Maybe considerate of others. Uh, the definition in my uh, uh, Greek dictionary said it's not thinking too highly of oneself. So it's kind of uh, having a, a higher view of others even. Um, esteeming others higher than yourself. And so what does that look like in life to be meek? Well, you might think of a few examples from life where people are being meek, are considering others uh, over themselves. Uh, maybe it looks like uh, that's just a that simple act of opening the door for someone else to go in before you. It's not huge, it's not showy, but it's a little way in which you say, hey, you go first. You're greater than me. Go ahead on in. Uh, or maybe uh, the picture of meek uh, could be a child, uh, a child who is getting disciplined by their parent and is not rebelling against it, is not refusing it, but is accepting it. And that's kind of the right order of things, right? Parents are up here, kids are down here. Uh, it, they ought to accept uh, the instruction and the wisdom and the discipline of their parents. To not do that, to not accept that discipline would be to, to try and make themselves on equal plane. It would be to think too highly of themselves. But meekness says, no, I'll listen. You're right. You, you tell me. Let me use my ears and not my mouth. Uh, or or maybe, maybe one last example would be one that a lot of us, I think, can relate to. If you've driven anywhere, you're on the highway, you see the construction signs uh, uh, up ahead, and so you know the lanes are going to be closing in, they're going to be merging, and, uh, and everyone's kind of starting to get over, right? And people are trying to kind of stay in an order because people are being, you know, just um, uh, gentle about the process, meek about the process. They're not trying to say, I'm better than you. But then that one guy, right, that maniac comes screaming down the highway in the lane that's about to be cut off, and the guy in front you know, could either run this guy off the road or, even though this guy is, is being kind of insane, be meek about it, humble and just pump the brakes and let him in. It's humility, right? But Jesus says, blessed are the meek because they're going to inherit the earth. 
And to inherit the earth, that uh, gives the idea of, of ownership, right? Um, so authority, uh, power, influence. It's hard to connect the idea of being humble or meek and having ownership <laughs> or power and influence in the world because if, if you're always that guy pumping the brakes and letting the other person in, how are you ever going to get ahead? How are you ever going to get control? How are you ever going to get the things that you want out of this life if you're always letting the other person in, if you're always opening the door for someone else? This is why those initial hearers were astonished at his teaching and why hearers today can even still be struck by Jesus. Because maybe the, the little proverb we would think of when it comes to how things really work in this world is well, that nice guys finish last. So is, is, there, a, is there truth to what Jesus is saying or, or is, is pride really the way? You know, sometimes it seems like that is true, that, <clears throat> that it, it doesn't serve us to be meek and lowly and humble. Maybe you look around the world and you do see people who seem to have more than you. Uh, you look at people who seem to get things to go their way, and they don't do it by, by being meek or lowly, but they do it by being bold. They do it by being strong, by exerting their influence into whatever situation they're in. And sometimes we can look around the world and see that happening and be frustrated, right? Because it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like, like integrity is being rewarded, but it seems like everyone in the fast lane is just shooting by and, and taking what really shouldn't be theirs, uh, what really seems unjust. Well, scriptures... <laughs> They warn us of this too. Uh, the scriptures talk a lot about um, this pattern uh, of the proud and the arrogant versus the humble and the meek, uh, especially in the Psalms and the Proverbs. And what they repeatedly tell us, the wisdom of them repeatedly is, don't be fooled by, by those who, who in bold arrogance go out and grab and take and, and uh, achieve. Don't, don't be... Don't be fooled by the uh, spoils that it seems they have because uh, those who act unjustly to attain them uh, will come to ruin. Uh, there's a psalm that uh, Jesus even seems to be quoting here in the Beatitudes, Psalms uh, number 37, where uh, the psalmist is saying and God is saying, don't fret about it. Don't fret over, the, over these uh, folks who, who, who seem to be going out and taking and grabbing uh, because they're going to fade like the grass. Psalm 37, fret not yourself because of evildoers and, and don't be envious of wrongdoers. For soon they'll fade like the grass. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He will act. Be, be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Don't fret over the one who prospers in his way, <clears throat> maybe even in his evil way. <laughs> yeah, he says, over the man who carries out evil devices, don't fret over him, even though he seems to prosper, because the evildoer shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. And there is a, a, a kind of truth to this principle, and maybe Jesus is alluding to that 
uh, in a small way here in the Beatitudes. Maybe Jesus is alluding to that in a small way. I think he's saying something much bigger. Uh, but just for a moment, let's consider that small bit of wisdom. Just think to yourself of, of what it takes for some of those people to achieve and go out and grab the things they want in this life and what the outcome of those decisions are. Surely you can call to mind uh, people who have been on top, right? They climbed some mountain. Maybe it was a title, a position that they wanted, and they, and they got there. They achieved that status. But at what cost? And for what gain? Right? A lot of times uh, uh, we, we see people who are in positions of authority and power and high up who are praised and exalted, but then we learn the, the bitter truth and the darker reality as to how they got there. Some scandal from the past comes out. It makes it clear that it wasn't a path of integrity that led to that position of authority. But they were so blinded by what they wanted that they were willing to, to put at risk and damage and even destroy uh, relationships, maybe their family. Uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, those stories of folks who they wanted the prosperous life, they wanted the wealth. And so they just started to, you know, take a little bit on the side at work, started to uh, uh, embezzle money. I had a friend who worked uh, uh, at a firm in Milwaukee and uh, he was an accountant and he had the horrible task and discovery of realizing that the person he was training under, the person whose position he was about to take, who had all the authority and the power within the company, had actually been fudging the numbers in the books so he could have that wealth and status. And my friend uh, had the, the horrifying, um, but at the same moment, um, compelled uh, opportunity to call out this evil, to set what was wrong right. And in the process, this fellow was caught and he was imprisoned. And he's in debt now, grievously. It's like the psalmist said, don't fret over their way because in the end, it won't pay out. But there's a much bigger reality here that Jesus is talking about. Now, that's a small reality, and it's maybe a part of the fabric of the universe, you know, this, the universe that God has made, that, that being patient uh, with integrity, living in humility, these things do pay off. They have dividends, uh, but they might be hard to see. That is true. That seems to be the way, the slow way that, uh, that life can work uh, for good. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes those who are wicked do seem to prosper all the way to the end. And those who, who act in integrity just get the shaft. That's the book of Job, if you ever want to go read uh, Job's story. So what about then? Well, this leads us to, to the much bigger reality that Jesus is talking about here. In the Beatitudes, when Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He's not just speaking about inheriting a little bit of power and influence here and now. Like the other Beatitudes we've talked about, this is a spiritual reality. This is a much bigger reality. So this, this inheritance is not just a little power and influence now. It's not a title or a career or a big house now. This inheritance is, is the new heavens and the new earth. The inheritance is the resurrection. It is 
all creation. As God says in, 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 when he returns, when he restores all things, it's going to be like Eden again, the garden. And, and that means that it's going to be humans. It's going to be us who take care of, who are stewards of God's good creation. And this is going to be in, in perfect blessedness and peace and in an eternity. But that's the inheritance Jesus is talking about. Blessed are the meek for they're going to inherit the new heavens and the new earth. Resurrection. But if that's the big reality of the inheritance, then what does that mean for our meekness? This is another big spiritual reality. And that these words of Jesus aren't merely just a call for us to go out and be a little more humble. Jesus isn't just telling us to go out and, and to be nice to everybody. Jesus is making a claim about the condition of those who will inherit the resurrection. And that claim is that they are spiritually low. They are spiritually meek. The people who will inherit the kingdom, Christians, followers of Jesus, are, are those who realize their condition before God. That, that they are actually low, not exalted. They don't have the spiritual resources, right? It harkens back to that first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. It, it, it's, it's those who are spiritually broken, spiritually low, meek, poor. Which means you and I have to, have to check ourselves. First, check ourselves if we've been proud, because maybe we have been. Maybe we do need just that simple uh, 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 message of Jesus to begin with that, that tells us, don't trust this, this proud, arrogant way, right? Don't imagine that I can go around shoving everyone out of my way to get what I want and that it's going to work out for me in the long run because it's not. I'm either going to shatter all of my relationships on the way there or I'm going to get there to where I'm going and realize, just like the bear, if you remember that old tune, the bear went, went over the mountain. The bear went over the mountain. The bear went over the mountain and, and all that he could see and all that he could see was the other side of the mountain. See, the bear got up to the top, the thing that he was pursuing. <laughs> and once he got up to the top, well, it was just just another side of a mountain. It wasn't fulfillment. It wasn't everything. It wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Maybe it was good in the moment when we convinced ourselves is what we needed. So if we're chasing something in our own, in our own pride, we need to be challenged by Jesus. But, but there's a deeper spiritual reality that we need to hear, especially those of us who do uh, follow Jesus, who, who are striving to, to listen to his voice and who are striving to be uh, meek. Because I, I think sometimes we forget our spiritual condition. Maybe you're meek. Maybe you see yourself as one of these humble ones. But consider, consider maybe that, that inner voice in those times of meekness or humility. <laughs> when, you, when you let that guy fly by you and you, you pump the brakes because you're meek, you're humble, and you let him in. Do you 
look at that person and, and think, oh my gosh, how could anyone be like them? I can't believe how they act. Do you find yourself kind of vindictive against those who seem to be arrogant, who seem to be uh, uh, boastful and proud? Without admitting that that same nature exists in ourself. Jesus says in, in Matthew 7, he says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged, and the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Why do you see that speck in your brother's eye, but not the log in your own? Jesus challenges our notions of our, of our holiness, of our meekness, of our uh, humility. How do you tell if, if that's going on for you? Do, you? do you have this kind of frustration with God that, that you've been doing all these good things, that you have been meek and humble, but, but it hasn't seemed to pan out and you're a little frustrated with God because you, you feel like you ought to be owed by now? something back, some return on this investment that you have been making for God. Do you feel that frustration? If you do, it's, it's this sign that I'm not admitting my own poverty, my own meekness. Jesus also says in the same Sermon on the Mount, to love our enemies... You heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that's not a prayer of that the person flying in the fast lane just flies off and careens out of the way and, and, and gets what they deserve, right? If that's, if that's how we feel, that people out there ought to get what they deserve, that's not the kind of prayer Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a heartfelt, broken prayer on behalf of those who are your enemies. That they would come to, to know this Jesus and see that, <laughs> that they would come to know and, and see that they are no different from me, that we are all corrupted by this inner sinful nature, that we all need to fall down, lowly, meek, to be lifted up by a God and a Father who promises forgiveness to us. Maybe the most, uh, uh, maybe the most, uh, or the hardest, most difficult thing for us to hear, though we think we are, you know, good Christians following Jesus, is to think of uh, uh, that sense of entitlement, right? That's what marked the proud in that simple way, right? The proud felt entitled, like like they're going to go out and get theirs because it's what they deserve, and no one's going to get in their way. Have we been entitled in our spirituality with God? Have we treated God as if <laughs> he wasn't the parent up here and I wasn't the, the child, but that we were on equal grounds? Is there some behavior in my life, some sin, some practice that I know God says I should not be doing? And yet I continue to go back again and again to that very same thing. 
Do I, do I kind of say, you know, that's crazy. No one could ever live up to these standards. Am I offended like those kids down at Texas A&M and, and by the crowds here listening to Jesus? And, and do I say, God, that's a ridiculous, that's a ridiculous expectation. I can't live up to that and therefore uh, I'm not going to. I know you'll forgive me anyway, and, and so I just, I, I can't give up this thing. I can't turn it around. Are we treating God as an equal with us instead of humbling ourselves, instead of bowing before Him? And maybe you're, you're there saying, well, who could possibly, who on earth could possibly live up to what Jesus is saying? And my friend, if you're at that moment, if you're on that brink, if you feel that frustration in you because you have lived this, you've experienced what it's like uh, to not be able to, to, to conform to the expectations, to live up to what Jesus lays out in this Sermon on the Mount, my friend, you're right there. You're so close to the kingdom. You're, you're right on the cusp because you're admitting not just that no one can, that I can't, that I can't. And I haven't, personally. I have not lived up to the commands of Jesus. I have not lived like one he describes in his sermon because I'm spiritually broken. I'm spiritually poor. I am low. God doesn't just wink and say, well, that's okay. No, God calls us to this holy life but he doesn't leave it up to us to accomplish. He doesn't leave it up to accomplish. God does something about it. He empowers us by the power of his son. Jesus, who we hear about in Philippians chapter 2. This Jesus who didn't just tell everybody else to be meek and humble, but actually humbled himself. And just so you know, being meek and humble isn't about just being nice, right? That's maybe that simple idea of being nice to others. Uh, but the Greek word for humility here uh, in Matthew 5 is praus. And it actually re refers to and describes a wild horse being tamed, right? A wild horse being tamed, having mastery over its passions mastery over uh, that kind of wild, broken way that it wants to go out and live. Uh, but it, but it's, <laughs> it's been mastered, it's been tamed uh, by the great, the great master, the great tamer. Uh, and Jesus accomplished this by being humble himself. Philippians 2 says that <laughs> to have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. So to have a transformation of our minds only through Jesus Christ. Before this, uh, Paul says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others, putting others above yourself. But how do we do this? How can we possibly do this? You can have this mind among yourselves only through Christ Jesus. It's yours in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says, look at what he did. Though he was in the form of God, though he was on equal planes with God, rightfully so, he is God. Jesus, he didn't count equality with God, but he lowered himself. 
It says he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus didn't just humble himself and lower himself as an example for us to lower ourselves and to humble ourselves in this world. But there's room for that. This is a good calling. This is the way of Christ. But Jesus didn't just do this as an example. Jesus lowered himself, emptied himself, humbled himself to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. God made himself that low, offensively low. To be crucified on a cross was a shameful thing. People didn't even want to look at it, talk about it. We wear it on our necks in this day and age, but in, in that context, this was shameful. Jesus went to that point so that he could raise us up. Jesus <laughs> took upon that shame so that we could see the fruit of our natures. It was our sin that put Jesus there. Right? So that we could come and truly see, really see ourselves in this condition that we bear for what it is, that, that we are spiritually broken, that we are, that we are meek and lowly, and it ought to cause us to mourn. Right? Blessed are those who mourn. But this isn't just to beat ourselves up. Jesus doesn't want us to just beat ourselves up. He wants us to see Him. Not only on the cross, but the result of it. What happened next? Therefore God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on Him the name above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Master, Jesus went humble. He went low. He laid himself low so that you could know that you, if you are there and you are, you, you are facing that broken condition of yours and you, you are honestly uh, 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 accepting that this is, this is where I am and it is low. Jesus found you down here. He went even lower. He went even lower than you could go. He went where, where we don't have to go. Jesus descended into hell for our sake that we would not have to experience it, that we could be raised up, that we could be exalted, that we could inherit the earth. My friends, consider yourself. Reflect on your view of others around you. Do I see others as, as my equals? And do I treat them greater than me? Or are there people in the world who I see who I just can't understand because how could they be that messed up? If that's the way I think about other people. I need to be careful of my own arrogance. I need to watch out for my own pride, spiritual pride. I need to hear Jesus. Let him confront me. Go read. I said in the first week, I'll say it again, go read chapters 5 through 7 in Matthew. Hear Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. Hear how offensive it is 
no one can live up to it by their own strength. Come to Jesus. Let him strengthen you. Let him exalt you by his spirit. But we come broken. We come mourning, repenting of our sin, repenting of the ways that we have been arrogant and proud of ourselves, and asking God to, uh, to lift us up, to forgive us, to renew us, <laughs> and to lead us, right? So that we may walk in his will and according to his ways. We confess that in the confession every week. My friends, consider uh, in your life where, where you've been treating God as an equal. Which word of God have I been ignoring, dismissing, trying not to think about because it's so blunt and offensive because I, because I have come up against it too many times and, and, it's, and it's crushed me. I can't treat God as an equal. I don't get to decide for myself what's right and what's wrong. God's commands... Go to him, confess unto him, return to him. He wants to receive you. And more than that, he wants to restore you, exalt you, lift you up higher than you could ever go by strength of my own will, my own righteousness. He wants to free us to be the creatures he created us to be. Those very ones in the Garden of Eden, the stewards of, of the heavens and the earth, and he has promised us this blessing, this blessedness, which is our salvation through his son, Jesus. Go to the man, the God, the Lord who is meek on your behalf to lift you up and give you that inheritance. In his name we pray. Amen.